This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. My name is Leeson Fisher, and I'm a Doctor Who fan. Part of being a Doctor Who fan is you're an eternal optimist, until you're not. And I find myself being optimistic more often than not. Doctor Who is the optimistic part of my life. The rest of my life I can be quite the pessimist. I smile, but in general I expect the worst. With Doctor Who I want the best. I, I sort of expect the best. And even when I don't see the best, I still convince myself that it is the best. Until two or three watches on. Some of you may remember that I used to be a co-presenter on the Doctor Who podcast many years ago, and I disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Uh, there was no mystery involved, really. I w- went to the chemical toilet, uh, I got stuck, and I've been there ever since. Just goes to show how often the rest of the crew use the chemical toilet. I don't know what they're doing, but they've not been in here for quite some time. The worst episode ever! Rest assured, I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. There's something I used to say when I tried to convince people of the reasons why I loved classic Doctor Who. Not even just the classic Doctor Who that I remembered from my childhood, but even further back. When the sets wobbled and the actors forgot their lines, for the people that couldn't understand, I used to say, oh, you know, well, of course, uh, the BBC didn't have the budget, did they, of the of the big Hollywood, uh, you know, American sci-fi series like Star Trek. You know, so they had to make up for it with the storylines, didn't they? They, they compensated with fantastic storylines uh, uh, because they couldn't do the effects, whereas your, your Star Trek's quite um, run-of-the-mill, bog-standard storylines. And I can't help but think maybe we've gone the other way. Maybe Doctor Who was caught up in terms of how they can do the effects. And maybe this era of Doctor Who has suffered at the hands of that, where they've made it look incredible with the colour palette. The effects just look beautiful. But have the storylines suffered? Speaking of the way stories are told and the storylines, is I was actually quite excited that we've been forced into, by COVID, a 6 episode story of Doctor Who. Who would have thought that anyone would have been excited about a six episode? Because would you like a flux fact? Doctor Who Flux is the first episode of Doctor Who to be told in six parts since the Armageddon Factor. And it's interesting that we should be forced into this six episode format when actually maybe it's the thing that we should be doing. The idea that you can tell a long form story has sort of come back into fashion. It's more of the TV landscape than it was in 2005. What happened in 2005 was that the landscape had changed from 1989. The received wisdom was that people didn't have the attention span to last more than an hour. So that's how the stories were told. And I think maybe we've moved on a little bit. And that despite TikTok, we can actually enjoy a story if it's fed to us. Slowly. Over time. Drip. Drip. And we actually enjoy the anticipation.
To select audio navigation, press enter now. A few things to note from the Halloween apocalypse is uh, the poorest CGI in the episode happened to be uh, the opening sequence, which would have expected the best. Uh, there were moments in that when I was expecting it to be like the Kobayashi Maru, and all of a sudden it was going to snap back to real life and it was going to be a simulation. Yeah, But it wasn't. It was real. When they went to Liverpool in 1820, that had a very classic Doctor Who feel. I think whatever episode focuses on that will feel very nice. You know, nice in a Time in the Rani kind of, kind of way. I don't mean uh, that. I don't necessarily mean Time in the Rani, but it felt like Time in the Rani, but like a good Time in the Rani. Uh, what I wasn't sure about was Mr. Protagonist Man. Tim, not sure. Tim, sure. Tim. Then he turns into Tim. Surely not Tim. Sure. Very good CGI though, and when he destroys his victims, I love the CGI in that. It feels like a pacey version of the classic series. You know, this whole thing. Dan, well, what have we got to say about Dan? Sardonic Dan. Quite liked him. Um, I can't help but thinking he seems too nice. Is he going to turn out to be not be nice? Um, Dan's favourite line must be, uh, you don't look anything like four bears. Uh, on the um, subject of not four bears, Carvanista, uh, the Lupari. Um, yeah, I like the idea that yeah, it made me chuckle. There were a few moments that made me chuckle in this episode. One of the ones that wasn't a Dan line was the idea that we have like a... <laughs> Uh, an equivalent dog creature in space, a Carbonista that looks after us and we're, we're paired, and that's where the whole man's best friend things come from. I'm easily pleased. And just for the sake of balance, it should be noted that I am a cat person. Don't mention the nuns. <laughs> Would you care for some tea? Definitely. I love tea. Yaz and the Doctor. Now, Yaz and the Doctor. Yaz has improved. Yaz has finally got a chance to be um, the person that we kind of thought she was going to be because she was a police officer. Uh, she's worked out to use the TARDIS. She's a co-pilot. It made me think, two companions, that's the way to go. That's, that's always been the way to go. It's, it's craziness to think that anything else is, is the case. So they were running around. They were being fantastic as two companions. And all the time in my head, I'm thinking, we're just about to add another companion. But... You know, we'll see how that goes. So, I'm on board. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'm optimistic, and I hope you are too. So this is me, Leeson Fisher, saying goodbye. Hey guys, Leeson Fisher from the future here. And I've just listened back and I've realised that I referred to time in the Rani when what I actually meant was Mark of the Rani. I would just like you to know that I am just as annoyed as you that I got it wrong. But I'm too lazy to do anything about it. Bye.
Hi folks, it's Drew from across the Atlantic Ocean with my quick thoughts on episode 1 of Flux, which I know had a Halloween-themed title, but it, it had as much to do with Halloween as the last three Christmas specials had to do with Christmas, so it's safe to call it just what it is. Part 1 of 6, because that's how it felt. This was a setup episode, with Chibnall sneaking in hints of Moffat with its timey-wiminess and hints of RTD with introducing secondary characters and making us care about them just enough to mourn what appears to be possible tragic endings. So, here's hoping it sticks the timey-windy landing better than most Moffat-era stories, and less secondary folks get the axe than in most Davies tales. Did I like it? Yes, I did. It has me intrigued, and here's why. I like when stories play out of sequence, and it makes me think. I liked the interplay between Dan and Yaz, who finally feels like she's got something to do. I like that the console room is being used in new ways. It feels like they expanded it to allow the actors more room to move about the set. At least enough room to fit a bed big enough for two. But most of all, what I really found intriguing were the weeping angels. I avoided spoilers. I didn't know that they would be there, but as soon as I saw them, I was... Mm, interest peaked. Normally, it has been diminishing returns with the Weeping Angels, but I liked every aspect of the new Weeping Angel scene. The door bit went on maybe a few seconds too long, but it was effective, and the angel remained frozen while we, the audience, were watching it, which is a nice callback to Blink. However, it makes me wonder if the Weeping Angels aren't actually trying to help the Doctor by sending key characters back in time. Wouldn't that be less of a trick? and more of a treat. Anyway, looking forward to episode two. Hi everybody, this is Phil, and joining me on the DWP now is a special guest reviewer for the Halloween apocalypse. It's my son, Scott. Hello, Scott. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. So, we're going to just talk very, very quickly about the Halloween apocalypse and what you thought of it. So did you, first things first, did you enjoy it? Did you like it? I did, but it was confusing a lot. Confusing? What, what do you think was confusing? There was like four aliens, mm. a weird doggy person. Carbonista. And what are those weird crystal people? Uh, we don't, I, I don't, for one, one's called, the, well he's listing the credits as, as Swarm. Swarm. And I can't, I can't remember what the, what the, the, the uh, female one was called, I'm afraid. Weeping Angels and Tom Tarans, that was yeah. Son. Sontarans. That was for aliens then. Yeah. And there was a lot going on, wasn't there? Yeah. So did you find it a bit a bit too much happening then? Yeah. And and I don't really know about how the doctor's gonna feel about having three people in the TARDIS because she only recently lost two people, which mm. was Well she's only got two now, isn't she? It's Dan. She only just got and them yes. both, that's what Yeah. I'm so what do you think of Dan then? He's very he's helpful, but he's very he, he has a very strong accent. Yeah, Liverpool accent. Yeah. Did you have trouble understanding him then? No, he's just <laughs> he's just I don't know, he's just kind of like he can get annoying at some parts when they talk about the doggy person in it. Oh right, okay. Did you find the doggy person annoying then? Yeah, because because he could have just said in the first place that he was trying to save the humans, not like take them away from Earth. 
That is true. He could have got he could have got to the point a bit quicker, couldn't he? For you, I didn't but. understand those crystal weird people. Well, no, we don't know what they're doing at the moment, do we? So we have to we have to wait. I suppose we'll find out in the next few episodes. I know, but how did that girl just magically turn into the weird the second crystal person? I don't know. We'll find out, won't we? Let- we'll find out. I, all I'm going to say is the next part, the next story is to do with some tyrants. Yes, it is. You're looking forward to that one? Yeah. I'm not quite sure when it is, but I think it's going to be good. All right. Okay. Did you, so did, did you find the Halloween apocalypse scary? No, but I didn't like the part when the crystal person just absorbed the, the, the bodies out of people. Oh, yeah. That was a bit, um, bit scary. Well, when he looked at the screen and said, Trick or treat, Doctor. Ugly. It was very ugly. <laughs> so, 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 but did you like it though? Did you think it was? Did you think it was fun? Did you think it was boring? Or, um, I guess it was okay. Right, so, what was your favourite bit? The the part when the the flux just zooms in front of them and takes all the um all the planets. Yeah. Right. And what about the TARDIS leaking? There's all the different doors appearing everywhere inside. Yeah, it's reminded me of the fourth Doctor episode, Logopolis. Ah, yes, it does. Yeah, with the uh, the TARDIS in the TARDIS in the TARDIS. Yeah, and it took yeah. about and the last one was like orange and black in Logopolis, but. Oh yeah, they, they just I think they just turned yeah. the lights down. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we? Yeah, so so you thought that that was so did so you you enjoyed it then? That's the main thing you thought it was. Was it yeah. worth the wait? Because we waited a long mm. time for Doctor Who to come back, haven't we? I don't really, I'm not quite sure. It probably was, but mm. I don't really like the person who's writing them now. Oh, you don't like Chris Chibnall? No, just the people that are writing them in modern day. Mm. All of them just because they always make plots so confusing. I do like them, but the plots are really confusing, especially Matt Smith's. Oh, that right. That was very confusing. Yeah, some of them were a bit... Bit convoluted, weren't they? But so, so you thought Halloween. So I, I think it'll make more sense as as we get more episodes. Stuff. Mm. There was a lot happening in last night's episode. I think there? the Sun Tyrants got changed by the design because they're now. They they said they were turning gold. They look more silver. They do, don't they? Yeah. So yeah. So I think some of the. Just to clarify that for people listening, there were some um, some leaked photos and they, it did look like they had gold armor. Maybe that's later. Who knows? Or it could just be the lighting. They were using at the time, but he yeah. definitely looked like a nice. And steel he looked car. like an old Santaran, but th- according to everybody who said who's met a unit person in Doctor Who, mm-hmm. it looks like a potato, a yes. baked potato. A baked potato. But it does. But to us, <laughs> but to them, we're a, a pink weasel. Oh, okay, a pink weasel. Okay, That's not. Fun. I don't quite understand that, but okay. Sometimes we're like a pink weasel. No, they think that humans are. A pink oh, weasel. humans are like a pink. Well, okay, okay. That that makes humans. more sense. That makes more sense. Okay, okay. So, are you looking forward to the rest of the series? Yeah, but I wish maybe some. Com- I don't know about the companions, but mm-hmm. but I'm I'm wondering if they're actually gonna stay for the specials or not. I don't think. Well, I think well, we don't know yet. Do we? we'll find out when the series uh, is over. Let's not let's get ahead. We've got we've got another five episodes to go yet, haven't we? So let's not yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Eh? Although I was con- not to look forward to. Although I was confused at the end of like the the part for the next video for the next episode. Mm-hmm. I was very confused about how they got to like World War One or but something. It's the Crimean War. 
Yeah, but it's before World War One. Well, I don't, I don't understand how they got there because they didn't put anything in the in the next episode part. About no, well, they'll give a whole, whole thing away. They want you to watch <laughs> next week, don't they? Yeah. So, so you look. So, Halloween Apocalypse. What's your score out of ten then? Mm, it's not a high score. Oh, okay. Because it wasn't very. It was exciting, but the plots were weird, and some mm. of the characters were just. Not very good. Okay, so like the doggy person. You didn't like the doggy person. Nah, he okay. was just not very. Although I liked the quote when the doctor said, it, "A dog is a man's best friend," because mm-hmm. it is. But I'm gonna give it six and a half. Six and a half out of ten. Yes. Okay. It's okay. It's a very bad rating. Okay. Well, there you are, everybody. There you are. That's Scott's view of the Halloween apocalypse. Six and a half out of ten. But you're looking forward to the rest of it. Yeah, good. Um, um, I want to find out what happened to the crystal people because I, cause I really don't like them. They're okay. so they're, mean. They're mean. They're mean. Okay, they look good. Too. Okay, that's it then. Thanks very much, Scott. And you're going to be, um, maybe you'll, I think we'll get you on some of the future episodes as well. Ooh. 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 <laughs> so there we are. Okay, mate, good stuff. Say goodbye to everyone then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey everybody, this is Brent. I just wanted to chime in on this week's brand new episode of Doctor Who, the first one in a year and a half. So that's a plus right off the bat, and I really enjoyed it. But first, let's get the negative out of the way. The sonic screwdrivers seem to be used more and more as a magic wand recently, and I'm not a fan of that. But I was thinking, maybe since the Doctor has psychic ability, is she able to communicate with the sonic? Like think about what she wants it to do and it does it like suddenly using Dan's TV to show a trajectory of a spacecraft uh, the second thing was the whole remember the swarm thing he says oh they really did a good job on you you don't remember a thing implying that the time lords or somebody wiped her memory and she faced him in an incarnation earlier than Hartnell that would mean that everything that the master said about the timeless child was true and I really did not like that storyline Of course, we saw the Weeping Angels, so maybe she gets sent back in time to fight him later. Who knows? Um, I'm still hoping that the Master told a huge lie, but so far we haven't seen him. Third, the U.S. version promised, as they had before, a global simulcast, which was in fact a simulcast for about the first 20 minutes. Then the commercials hit, so that was disappointing. It really interrupts the flow, and I saw it again today without the commercials, and it was so much better. And I don't know how much of you uh, that aren't in America know about modern U.S. television, but at the end of most shows, you don't see the credits. They sort of squish the picture into a little box off to the side of the screen and rocket the credits past you at about 90 miles an hour. So not only do you miss the proper credits, the next time trailer doesn't even have next week's title. 
So War of the Santarans, I didn't even know about till a day or two later. Uh, sidebar, I think The Simpsons is the only show left that actually fights to have their credits fully roll at the end of their shows. But again, I really enjoyed this story. There was definitely a lot to unpack. I think I counted about nine or so different threads starting up here. So they've got plenty to work with. But what I'm most excited about is the proper cliffhanger at the end. The Flux is the most formidable threat the 13th Doctor has ever faced, in my opinion. And you genuinely don't know how she's going to get out of this one. And the best thing is, this is similar to a six-parter back in the day. So theoretically, we'll get four more cliffhangers during Flux. And we don't get very many cliffhangers in recent Doctor Who anymore. So I, for one, cannot wait. See you next week. Hello listeners, so Ian here to give my thoughts a couple of days on, on the Halloween Apocalypse, first episode of Doctor Who Flux. Well, I went into this very cold, I hadn't been watching any of the pre-season publicity, although I had seen some adverts talking about the Sontarans and the Weeping Angels, so those things weren't a surprise to me. In fact, I saw them in a trailer before Dune, which I also watched on Sunday. It's certainly different. You know, I've, I've had my complaints about Chibnall's era and it being largely forgettable, to be honest with you, and this this wasn't forgettable. There was... Well, it kind of was a bit in a different way. There was so much going on. I mean, he really machine-gunned the stuff at us. Um, so, I mean, it's memorable in terms of, wow, you can't uh, forget that kind of a sensory overload. Do I remember the story and plot? Well, no, because I've not seen a story and plot yet. I've just seen lots and lots of... Almost like trailers... I got the strangest feeling of this being a season trailer where they show you a little snapshot of lots of different stories um, without any obviously through line because it's a trailer. In fact, I almost got the feeling that Chibnall's written, you know, six stories for this season and then decided to run them in parallel rather than in series. It was a very strange episode. Did I enjoy it? Well... Yes, I kind of enjoyed the ride along the way. It certainly wasn't a bad story. I wasn't particularly taken with the intro with the gravity bar. That seemed a little bit OTT, but eh, you know, you can't have it all. But as a general setup, yeah, yeah, it's got potential. And that for me really is the key at this point, is it's got potential. You know, it's easy to throw this many balls in the air, but can he catch them all? And it'll take quite a bit of, uh, you know, writing gymnastics to get all of this pulled back together into something coherent. Now, if he does it, it could be absolutely spectacular. You know, if it's all tied up in some neat clockwork bow, we're going to look at it and think, wow, that's really cool. That's really clever and brilliant. But there is, of course, the danger that it'll, you know, all this stuff's been thrown at the wall and not all of it will stick. And not all of it will make sense. And it ends up being a bit of a mess. And unfortunately, I've become sufficiently cynical about Doctor Who in the last few years that I'm kind of almost telling myself that's what's going to happen because I'll be less disappointed that way. So, you know, I guess I'm optimistically hoping that I'll be pleasantly surprised and this will actually turn into a really cool and clever season-long story, which is what Flux appears to be. It's like another trial of the Time Lord, although that's not the greatest of omens to put it its way. I'm certainly interested to follow the ride, so I guess it's achieved that which uh, I was hoping it would, but it makes me want to watch the next episode, it makes me want to see where it's going, and hopefully this is going to, to land somewhere really cool. And this weekend, I'll be able to tell you about the next instalment of that, when Michelle and I review The War of Sontarans. <laughs>
That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care.